Hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to our Fervent Experience. My name is Pastor Mike, senior pastor here at Fervent Church. So whether you're watching us online, yes, you people, we love you people, or you're watching at any of our locations, what's up, Sewell? Make some noise. Come on, make some noise. I am not physically there at any of our locations because I am with our youth group in Lake Champion at their youth retreat. Uh, so I'm, I hope that during the service you took some time out to pray for us. I'm praying for the, for, for the youth to have an empower, a powerful encounter with God, along with having fun and smelling and all that good stuff. Uh, but I just want them to come back uh, with some fervor, to come back with some fire, to come back ready uh, to do what God has called them to do. Because I don't believe that they're the church of tomorrow. I believe that they're the church of today. Can I get a big, loud amen in the room? Can I get a big, loud amen in the chat right now? Come on. The youth are the church of today. I believe that, and I hope you believe that. And so that's where I'm at right now. So pray for me. Forget them. Pray for me uh, that, that I had patience this past weekend with them. Nah, they're all good kids, and uh, we're believing for some good times here. But you need to get the word, so we're going to bring the word today. So thank God for technology and thank God for a church that is loud and engaging even when there's not a physical preacher. Come on. Loud and engaging even when there's not a physical preacher. Um, so we, we concluded our series uh, last week. Now what, right? We started off the series with, uh, started off the year with a series on awareness and then we went into action. We started a- answering some questions, you know, how, how to love people and, and how to keep fighting and and how to be happy. We closed with how to be happy. And uh, we're about to start a new series next week. So we had this, this, this crazy limbo week this Sunday where, where it's not a series. It's just a one-off series. So we praying and processing. What do we preach on this week? This one week where we get to kind of speak into the culture of our church, speak into the theme of our whole entire year, which is growth. We're going to grow in 2022. And I'm not talking about growing numerically. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your heart expanding, your, your mind expanding, your character being enlarged so that you can make an impact in your world. That's what I believe. It's going to be growth in 2022. And so I want to talk today about the concept of accountability. Now, before you get anxious and think that I'm going to talk about, usually when we're in church when we talk about accountability, we talk about accountability partners, Right? When you're struggling with pornography or lust, you get an accountability partner, or maybe you're struggling with alcohol, you get an accountability partner. Um, we, we are going to breach that, but I'm talking about just having an accountable life, an accountable life. And so we're going to honor today's word uh, with Matthew uh, chapter 7. We're going to stand up. Let's stand up if you're in the locations right now. If you're not standing already, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 29, and uh and let's read together. It says, therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, okay? We've heard a lot of messages here. Whoever hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, the flood came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone, everybody say everyone, in the chat say everyone, everyone who hears these sayings of mine, this is Jesus talking, it does not do them. So you, you hear these sermons and you don't activate them, you don't do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
You're building something, but you're building your house on the sand. And what happens? And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And it was a great fall. So, and so it was when Jesus had ended these things that the people were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as a scribe. Jesus, Jesus is teaching this with authority, so we're going to receive it with authority. So loud and proud, everyone together, before we see it, say, I'm here. I'm ready. Draw me closer. Make me better. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. As you're being seated, turn to the person next to you and say, you weren't loud enough. I didn't hear you. That's right. In the chat, my chat people were louder than you. What's up with that? My online chat people were louder than you. So accountability. We're called to live accountable. Jesus says, don't just hear these words of mine. You can't just be, you can't just hear them. You have to activate them. You have to put them into practice. Who hears these words, he says, he says, he, and, says and, and doesn't do them. It doesn't do them. The Bible also says, don't be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. It's, we're held accountable to what we know. We're held accountable to what we know. And here's what I know, scripturally speaking, we, we understand that when we hear, our faith increases when we hear, Right? That's what scripture tells us in Romans 10, 17. It says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? Hearing the word of God. So our faith is enlarged when we hear the word of God. However, a big however, a big but, that it can enlarge, it can get bigger, it could grow. Our faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Our faith can increase, but it could quickly die when you don't activate it. How do I know this? James 2, 17 says this. And faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. I'll say it a different way. Faith, oh no, your beliefs without corresponding actions does not produce life. Your beliefs, what you claim to believe in today, if there aren't corresponding actions to that belief, it does not produce life. We are building our house on sand. So, so normally we're, we're, we're in an off season with collectives. In April, we take a break with collectives. Collectives are, are, are communities of 20 plus people that get together for chemistry, care, and challenge. So we love creating a system where you actually miss collectives for a month. But don't worry, we're going to have signups again on Easter, and we're going to start a strong season of collectives in May. I'm really excited about that, but usually we give for our conversations throughout the week. That's what collectives have. They have conversations throughout the week in regards to the sermon and scripture. And so the anchor point, if we did have collectives, our anchor point for this week's conversations would be this, that when, when what I need to do is I need to get my, my behavior to, to dictate my beliefs. So, so when what I believe dictates my behavior, then I become consistent. When what I believe dictates my behavior, that is when I become consistent. Anyone here struggle with consistency? I know I do. I, I go, oh, I go hard. I, I could spike really hard. I could, mm, I, 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 if, man, if I'm doing something like a keto diet, I could do it. I, I'm strong with it. I spike real hard, but then I spiral even harder right? I go, I go down even harder because I'm inconsistent. But, but it's a belief issue, right? Because when, when my beliefs dictate my behavior, 
that's when I become actually more consistent in my life. And in order for any of us to be consistent, we need to be held accountable. Now, like I said, some of you might have like a, a, a filter already when you hear the term accountability. Uh, but this is how we're going to find accountability this morning. We're going to define it as this. Accountability is the condition of being responsible. Accountability is the condition of being responsible. So we will talk about accountability partners in a little bit. But I will tell you that it's not their responsibility. It's still your responsibility. Accountability is the condition of being responsible. And so accountability here at Fervent Church um, comes with our culture. It's the culture that we're trying to build. Um, a couple points on accountability here at Fervent Church. This is what we're trying to build as a team, as a staff. This, is, this, aren't, this isn't, what I'm about to present isn't just Mike Rosado's opinions. It's something that we're trying to infuse in our culture. We believe um, that even though some things aren't your fault, it can still be your responsibility. Can I say that again? Even though things aren't your fault, it can still be your responsibility. There are times, folks, where people come into our doors and, and they come in from church hurt. It's not our fault, but it's still our responsibility to love and care for people. Can I get an amen? Your spouse might come into the relationship with some hurts and some wounds. No, it's not your fault, but because they're your spouse, because God has called you to them, it is still your responsibility. There are times where we feel as though if it's not my fault, therefore it's not my responsibility. But here at Fervent Church, when it comes to accountability, it might not even be your fault. You might not be the one to have caused it, but it's still under your care. It might not be your fault, but it's still your responsibility. Another cultural point about accountability is this, is this, that true accountability, it's an unforced discipline. In other words, I can't force you to, to be accountable. You can't force me to hold you accountable. It's a discipline that we all need, but it's unforced. It, I put it in the same category as loyalty. I believe loyalty, you shouldn't even speak about loyalty. Loyalty should be something that's given. It should never be something that's demanded. Right? I'm loyal to, to my friends, but, but the minute they start demanding it, that's when it becomes toxic loyalty, right? That's when they're asking, usually when somebody demands loyalty, is they're asking you to choose them over your values. Ugh. And that's where real hurts happen. So, so I put it in the category of things like loyalty and respect. You, the minute you have to demand respect, it is no longer respect. Come on. Some people in my family used to say, respect is like being a lady. If you have to tell someone you're a lady, you're not a lady. <laughs> right? And so, so respect, loyalty, and accountability, they should be unforced disciplines. Disciplines nonetheless, but unforced. It, it, another point here, and write this down. This is really important. Those of you who have grown so far, you, you have turned a corner in regards to the way you lived out in 2020 and 2021 and now in 2022, you're pivoting well, you're growing, you're increasing somehow, you're getting back your stride, you're finding your rhythms again. And what I want to challenge us all, even as a church, that sustainability, sustainability is impossible without accountability. Sustainability is impossible without accountability. If you want your marriage to continue to grow in intimacy, you need accountability. 
If you want your spiritual walk to continue to grow and flourish, if you want sustainability, it requires accountability. It's impossible. It's impossible to maintain health without accountability. Lastly, I believe that there is no accountability without authenticity. There's no accountability without authenticity. I would actually say this too. There's no accountability without humility. And I believe true authenticity requires humility. Because when I'm authentic, when I'm real with you, it requires me to be humble enough to expose the real me to you. And to trust that, that even though you might take advantage of my vulnerability or my authenticity, to trust and believe that God is going to protect me. I can't promise you that, that doing these things in regards to accountability is going to produce credibility. I can't promise you that. Because sometimes there are days where I, I'm doing this. It's not my fault, but, it's, but it is my responsibility. There's days where it's, a, it's an unforced discipline. I'm choosing. I'm choosing accountability. I, I know that my sustainability is highly impossible without my accountability. I'm doing all these things. I'm being authentic. I'm being humble. And it still doesn't yield credibility because people will still choose to look at you in a different light, in a negative light. I can't promise you that. Here's what I can promise you. I can promise you that if you choose to live out a culture of, of accountability, I can promise you that you'll be more and more Christ-like every single day of your life. I can't promise you credibility, but I can promise you Christ-likeness. Can I get a big amen in the rooms? Can I get a big amen in the chat? All right, I could promise you Christ-likeness because accountability doesn't, doesn't really create responsible people. It doesn't. Accountability doesn't create responsible people. I believe responsible people create systems of accountability in their lives. So, so I liken this to even systems and organizations and businesses. So if you're, if you're a business owner, a supervisor, a boss somewhere, um, just know that you could have the best system out there. But if you have slackers within that system, they're still going to be slackers. So systems don't produce responsible people. Responsible people uphold systems. And in the same way, accountability doesn't create responsible people. Responsible people create systems of accountability. You have to be responsible today. Everything you've learned the last several months, everything you learned in your lifetime, you got to keep on building on the rock. And in order to do that, it requires accountability. And you have to be responsible enough to create it. You have to be responsible enough to create it. We have to pre-decide that we're going to be accountable no matter what. I like the word pre-decide because there are things that I have to pre-decide. I can't decide it in the middle of the moment because moments, sometimes certain moments in my life, I'm hungry. So I got to pre-decide what I'm going to eat. Come on. There's certain moments in my life when I'm tired. So I got to pre-decide that I'm going to work out regardless of how my, where my energy levels are. Right? I got to pre-decide that. I, I can't make a decision when I'm frustrated. I got to pre-decide that I'm going to say the right things and I'm going to be polite even when I'm frustrated. Am I talking to anybody today? I got to pre-decide. I got to pre-decide how, how, to, how to be a peacemaker, right? And not in the moments when I'm stressed out. I got to pre-decide that I'm not going to settle in my life and I'm going to hold on to the calling that God has in my life, even in the moments when I'm feeling desperate, all right? 
You can't make decisions in the moment. You have to pre-decide. So in this, I'm hoping and praying that you pre-decide to be accountable. Because it's inevitable in your life that there's certain moments where your choices, the choices that you have are going to conflict with one another. So you have to pre-decide that you are going to be an accountable person. Because an accountable person has a, has a greater likelihood to be Christ-like. And I don't know about you, but if you're going to grow in 2022, you have to learn how to be more and more like Jesus with every passing opportunity. And this world doesn't need more critics. They need more Christ. This world doesn't need more experts. They need more experiences with God. And we, we could be ambassadors. We could truly be the salt of the world. We could, be, we could be the light of the world if we actually get our crap together through the eyes and culture of accountability. Are y'all with me this morning? Come on. And so we got to make some choices. We got to pre-decide. Let's make some choices this morning. So I hope you're writing some notes down. Let's make some choices, all righty? Number one, let's choose vision over thoughts. Let's choose vision over thoughts. If you're anything like me, sometimes I get these epiphanies. Ooh, these great ideas. And um, we, love, we love to think that our thoughts are so special. They're so unique. We love to think that. And, and we're real quick to tell everyone about our thoughts because they're so special, right? And, and our opinions. And, oh, now more than ever because of social media, I'm real quick to just spit out an idea. Ooh, here's an idea that I have. Here's a principle that I have. Give it out to the world because it's so special. <laughs> just me. It's so special, so I got to get it out there. And now that we have that platform, I heard one comedian say this, and I thought it was pretty brilliant. He says, um, so we, we like to think that we have the, 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 the freedom of speech, and that's true. We do have the freedom of speech, but some of us can't handle the freedom of reach, meaning that we could just publicize anything on a global scale without thinking and processing what we're saying, and that's scary. There's a responsibility that we have in this current modern age to consider our words, Scripture tells us to consider our words, to think before you speak. So that's why we have to choose God's vision over just our thoughts. And the vision is important. We see it all throughout Scripture. But one of my favorite verses on, on the topic of vision is, is, is Habakkuk 2, 2 to 3. It says, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. I mean, though it's, if it might be taken long, wait for it, because it will surely come if you do not tarry. If you do not grow impatient, it will come. And so there are moments in our lives that we give our lives away to these thoughts and these ideas, and we, we, we switch lanes, we, we, we abandon our mission because now we have the new greatest, latest idea and we, have, we, we follow trends rather than following where God is leading us. We follow trends rather than where God is leading us. So, so, so my challenge to us is that if we're gonna be accountable people, um, let's choose vision over our thoughts. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. In other words, where there is no vision, that's when we live reckless lives. When, we, when, we, when there is no vision, that's when we're more careless. When where there is no vision, that's when we make dumb decisions. 
because we give our lives away to thoughts. I believe that your family needs a vision. Some of you parents in the room, some of you parents watching online, y'all need to sit down one day, pray, and ask God for a vision for your family. Some of you right now that are going to college, some of the young people here, you need to have a vision for where your, where your life is taking you, a vision for your life. You need to have a vision for your business. You need to have a vision for your future. You need to have a vision, folks. We have a vision for this church. We have a vision that this church will continue to see people come to Jesus for the very first time. We have a vision that we're going to continue to take risk on people to see them rise up and be leaders. We have a vision that we're going to continue to dare to experience real powerful moments together by praying over the sick and watching people's bondages broken in the presence of God. That is our vision. We have a vision on it. And there are times I have bad thoughts, bad thoughts about myself, bad thoughts about people. And I can't give my life away to those bad thoughts, but I can give my life away to the vision. It's the vision that God has given us, not your thoughts. In fact, isn't that what scripture says? His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Sometimes I have dumb thoughts. Come on, you have dumb thoughts too. We all have these dumb thoughts. It, we get into these conversations with our boys and, and sometimes it, it just goes crazy and we just think about some silly, stupid things like whether or not a hot dog is classified as a sandwich. Is a hot dog classified as a sandwich? And, and oh, this chase, this is his answer. Well, it depends how you hold it. What? What? Why does it matter how you hold it? Is it a sandwich or not? Dumb thoughts. And, and, and are you going to trust your life with someone who's arguing whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich? <laughs> no, let's give our lives to the vision that God has for us. So I'm going to choose vision over thoughts. Number two, choose building it over chancing it. Choose building it over chancing it. When I say chancing it, some of us, we, we, just, we just go where the wind takes us. We just go where the wind blows, and we're not intentional. This is about being intentional. And some of you, some of you, God has blessed you with amazing gifts and talent. And you know what? When, when you properly steward the gifts and talents God has given you in your life, that will sometimes require work. I know you don't want to hear that, but it's true. It requires work. It requires work. If you, if you add someone who's, who's, who's stewarding their talents and stewarding it with humility and then adding some anointed hustle to it, man, that's when that person becomes a superstar. That's when that person becomes, becomes the, the fullness of what God has in store for them. Like that is, I want to see more people do that. To steward God's gifts and then add some anointed hustle to actually work it. But the problem is people don't like to work it. People don't like to build it. People like to buy it. Hello. We don't want to build it. We want to buy it. And what I mean by that is like, we'll, 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 we'll invest into it for a little bit, but I want immediate return. I don't want to build it. I want to buy it, right? I, I want an instant meal. And I don't know about you, but like slow cooking always tastes better. Come on. Slow cooking will always taste better. I, I, I can't stand when, you know, like sometimes when you're desperate, you get the popcorn that's in the bag, right? The hers popcorn. You, you get it. But they ain't, they ain't nothing like popcorn that's made fresh and homemade. Come on. 
You know what I'm talking about? I mean, like old school stuff. I'm not, I'm not even talking about like the, 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 the microwave stuff. That's not really homemade. I'm talking about the stuff like I remember my grandmother, she used to make popcorn the original way, right? So you would, you would put the pot there and it had a little bit of oil on the bottom. And you would have to wait till the oil got a little hot. And then you would test it. You would put the one corn, one corn kernel inside the thing. And you would have to wait until it pops, right? And when that one pops, then you add the rest of it in there. And then, and then it all starts popping. And you see the top of the, the, top of the, the, the pot just start moving around. And, and you would get excited. And, and then you would see it start overflowing. And then you add the butter on it later. Come on, somebody, I'm preaching. You add the butter on it later. You, you, you add whatever other ingredients you want. And that's the real popcorn stuff stuff. Come on, that'll preach, right? When the oil, right? When the oil, when the anointing gets hot, come on, and you add the one seed in it, right? And then the seed starts to pop, and then the seed starts to multiply. Come on, where are my preachers at in the room? That'll, that'll preach. Some popcorn preaching? What? Come on. That's the stuff that, that, that is good. That's the good stuff. But we want to buy it because we want everything so instant. And the problem is that building takes long. Can I get an Amen. Building takes long. I want to walk in, apply for the job, and get the job. Let's skip the interview. Just give me the job. Yeah, people come in all the time giving us their spiritual resumes and think that that, that that one piece of paper is going to guarantee a position. It's not going to happen. Sometimes you have to build it. Sometimes you have to build it. And the only way you really know you got it is to build it from the ground up. Sometimes to build something, you have to actually go down. Hello? Sometimes to build something, you actually have to go down. When you build a good house, we talked about this in, in Matthew, right? People who build on the rock. And sometimes you have to dig down. You have to create a basement, a foundation. You need a strong foundation if you're going to build right. And so sometimes before you can go up, sometimes you have to go down. Ooh, come on. Before you can build up, sometimes you have to go down. Sometimes as you have to dig down. Before I, I could become the best leader I can be, I got to dig down to the core of who I am. I got I to gotta work on some issues. I got I to gotta build, I got to dig up some stuff from the past maybe even and work on it and make sure I'm healed, make sure I'm, I'm healing, make sure I'm whole, make sure I'm attached to the identity that, that Christ has given me, make sure that all those things are done well. That's my foundation. That is the rock. So I, I could sit there and dream all I want about my skyscraper, but I first have to dig down, and that is messy. And that is messy. And there's sometimes we get so frustrated with life because we think that the devil is messing you up. The devil is messing you up and it's attacking you. And maybe that's actually God building you. It's not the devil. Maybe it's a shovel. Come on, that'll preach. Maybe it's not the devil. Maybe it's a shovel. And God's asking us to dig deeper in your patience, deeper in your perseverance, deeper in your personal development before he can actually build you up. We love for our talents to take us where our character can't sustain us. So therefore, God is asking us to go deeper. But we don't, we don't want to build it. We want to buy it. We want to buy it. And so you keep digging down deep until you find the rock until you find you and Jesus, and you build on that. You build on that, and then sky's the limit. Another way to say this point would be that we have to choose strength and stability over quick and easy. We have to choose strength and stability over quick and easy. Jesus didn't like quick and easy. How do I know this is what made him turn over tables during his ministry in, in Mark chapter 11. So he came to Jerusalem, and then 
he went to the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Why, why was Jesus so upset that he was like flipping tables and kicking people out? Well, here's what they were doing. They were selling sacrifices, which, which at that time you had to bring, you had, there was a journey that you had to bring your sacrifices to the temple. No, people wanted to easy breezy travel and they just wanted to buy their sacrifices when they're there. Not only that, they were treating the temple, they were treating the center place of worship as a, as a shortcut through the town. So that's why there were money exchanges there. The people knew that they were going to cut through this. So therefore, let's, let's capitalize on people's laziness and let's make money on them because they're going to need to exchange their currency. And that irritated Jesus because he says, hey, church isn't a shortcut. This life isn't a shortcut. This ain't about quick and easy. This is about strength and stability. And God wants his people to choose strength and stability over quick and easy. Because let me help you out. Has quick and easy ever, ever benefited your eternity? Has it ever benefited your character? Has it ever benefited the end result? I guarantee you it probably hasn't. Strength and stability, yeah, that does. There are no shortcuts to excellence. There are no shortcuts to excellence. Point number three, we need to choose accountability over self-sufficiency. We need to choose accountability over self-sufficiency. What I mean by that is some of us just think we got it, right? I got this. I got this. I could kick this habit. I, I, I could get, get off of this addiction all by myself. So we choose self-sufficiency. And some of us, we either learn really quickly or we learn badly how our self-sufficiency isn't enough. So we need to pre-decide, we need to choose ahead of time accountability over self-sufficiency. It's who you know. The more and more I, I get older, it's not what I know, it's who I know. It's not, it's, it's who you, you're, you're, you know the statement, your, your net work determines your net worth. It's who you know and, and, and to surround yourself with people of good character. Because bad character will corrupt you is what scripture says. And to surround yourself with good accountability, solid, authentic, real accountability. The Bible tells us in Galatians 6, 1 to 3, it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken by any trespasses, you who are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of gentleness. Man, how much does the church jack that one up? Someone falls, we're like, sinner, shame. And we shame someone into change. And that's not gentle at all. When Scripture tells us, hey, if we're, we claim to be more spiritual, this is how you really know you're spiritual. Are you able to have the enough patience that God has on you for your fellow man? And restore that person in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself less you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfilling the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Christ, he says this, love God and love people. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You are no better than that person who's struggling right now. So let's get it together and let's get together so that we could be better. Come on. So let's choose accountability over self-sufficiency. There should be no, I want to look dead into the camera when I say this. There is no such thing. No such thing. Jesus, a perfect man, 
decided to do ministry with community. Y'all hear the words that are coming out of my mouth right now? He decided to do ministry. This perfect man, fully man and fully God, individual, we worship him, his name is Jesus, decided to do ministry with 12 people in community. He decided not to do it himself. There is no such thing as solo Christianity. There is no such thing as solo Christianity. I would hear people go, ah, I don't need to go to church. I just go home and, and listen to some preacher on, on the TV and, and just read my Bible and pray. I don't, need, I don't need anybody. All I need is God. No. That's not the way he built us. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. If we're going to be like Christ, Jesus did it with people. So there's no such thing as solo Christianity. No, I got this, Pastor Mike. You don't understand. You might have it for a little bit, but you will not have it all the time. And there are going to be moments where you need people. Hate it or love it, there will be moments in your life where you need people, and that's why there is no such thing as solo Christianity. If you think there is solo Christianity, let me read that last sentence for you. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Woo. He deceives himself. Remember what, like I said, culturally speaking, in regards to accountability here for Forever Church, true accountability is an unforced discipline. So, so we need people, but, but you can't be so needy that you're expecting that person to, to, to be babysitting. This is not spiritual babysitting. All right, this is where I said, too, that accountability requires authenticity. So there's just some of us, I, I've, I've had people accountable all the time. Hey, man, how's your marriage? Great, wonderful. Hey, man, how's your marriage? Great, wonderful. Years, ask them, hey, how's your marriage? How's your marriage? How's your marriage? Tuesday night, I get a phone call. Hey, man, we're getting a divorce. I was holding you accountable. I was willing to help you. But because of your lack of your humility and your lack of authenticity, now you're in this situation. And so it's an unforced discipline. And so I can't babysit you because the truth of the matter is you can still have secrets. He knows. He knows I have secrets. Yes, I know you have secrets. You can still have secrets. I could ask you till my face turns blue. So accountability isn't spiritual babysitting. It's an unforced discipline that you have to lean into. And you have to be authentic and you have to be humble enough to ask for help when you need help. Because again, there's no such thing as solo Christianity. Y'all getting this last one, number four, we'll close up right now. Worship team, you can make your way up. We have to choose finishing over just starting. This one challenges me. Because I'm great at starting things. But I'm not so great at finishing things. We have to choose finishing over just starting. We pride ourselves in starting. How many things you started? Oh, we started this and we started that. But, but, but we need to champion finishing and finishing well. Paul, when he's talking to the young pastor named Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, he says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Let's focus on finishing well. And if you're going to pre-decide to finish well, yes, we need to start, but, man, we need to be focused on finishing. And you can't finish alone, so get some accountability in your life.
Are there people in your life that have the license to call you out? Everyone, you know, recently in the church world, let me go off this tangent for a second. In the church world, I, I continually hear the phrase, power corrupts. Power corrupts. And it continues to fuel this, this culture of, of faith deconstruction. And I'm, I'm, I don't care about faith deconstruction. I think it's good. Just make sure that, that, that if you don't reconstruct your faith, um, it, it, you'll just leave it as a deconstructed faith or, or destructive faith, right? So, so make sure that you could deconstruct it. I've gone through a deconstruction seasons in my faith, absolutely. But if you don't reconstruct it, it'll just be destructive. And so, but, but, but this whole concept of power corrupts have fueled people walking away from the church because anyone who has authority on my life, anyone, anyone that could check me, any form of correction is possible abuse, so I'm going to run away from it as far as I can. And can I be honest with you, that scares me, not because of my job, it scares me because I don't think any of us could make it out of this life well without someone who has a, someone needs some level of authority in my life to say, hey, you're not doing it right. Let me help you. You need help right now because we're prideful. We're prideful. And if all the power is in our hands, we're going to make bad decisions. And so we need this level of accountability. And honestly, accountability doesn't work without authority. Accountability doesn't work without authority. So this whole concept that power corrupts, I don't think power corrupts. I think power reveals. There was corruption. Corruption happens where people are. All right? And so what we need, I think that we could still have power. And I don't believe that God's going to give us something that's going to corrupt us. Barry, Pastor Barry and I were talking earlier today, and we were talking about, hey, listen, like God, in the beginning, God gave humanity dominion. That means power over, over the earth. They, he gave us dominion. In the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the Bible says that we will receive power. I don't believe that God's going to give us power if it's going to corrupt us. I don't think power corrupts us. I think people are just corrupted. And since we're corrupted, we need accountability. And so we don't get rid of power we don't get rid of power. We add accountability. And not just paper accountability, accountability with authority. Someone that will check us. And then, well, what if that person is off when they check us? Then you make sure that person has accountability. Everyone should be held accountable. Everyone should, and myself, I am held accountable by our board. I am held accountable by our district. I am held accountable by personal relationship. There's, trust me, there's enough accountability in my life that if I'm doing something stupid, somebody's gonna check me. So if you ever wonder, does anybody check you? Absolutely. And there are people here that can prove it. But don't you think for one second that you could live your life unchecked. We all need accountability. Why? Because I want you to stand up before heaven and before your family and before your friends and say the same words that Paul said when he said, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I kept the faith. That's what I want for your life. Amen? Awesome. Let's stand up. If you're in a physical location, if you're online, heck, you could stand up, but we're gonna pray together. Father in heaven, we pray right now that you help us to identify people that can hold us accountable, people that we need to authorize, Lord. Identify the areas, specific areas in our life where we need more accountability, Lord. And I pray that we walk away with conviction, not just hearing the word, but doing it so that we could grow. We could grow to be more like you. That's all we want. 
We want to be more like you. So bless every hearer today. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you activate the words that we read out of Scripture and make us not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. In Jesus' name.